All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm here today with Mona Shum. Mona is the owner and principal industrial hygienist at Aura Health and Safety. As a certified industrial hygienist with over 25 years of experience, Mona is an expert in exposure assessment, indoor air quality investigations, and environmental public health. Her knowledge can benefit professionals in manufacturing, providing insights on embracing technology, climate change's impact on occupational settings, and controlling exposures in various industries. So Mona, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's a pleasure. So share with us a little bit about your background and what led you to doing what you do. I always knew I liked science. Uh, but I didn't like to be in the laboratory. (laughs) So I wanted to combine some of that science with being out there in the field and working with people, learning what they do. So I eventually got into this field called occupational hygiene or industrial hygiene, as it's known in the States. So what it is, it's looking at exposures in the workplace. And you use a bunch of that science that I learned way back when, and you apply it. Um, in the workplace and you look at exposures to chemicals or to biological hazards, um, physical hazards as well, such as noise and radiation. So it's a full gamut of different types of exposures that we look at in the workplace and then we try to control them. So what do you find are the most common challenges in manufacturing regarding air quality or exposure control? So some of the uh, manufacturing facilities we've been in are actually food related. And we were once in a bakery, for instance, where there were flour dust hazards uh, that were problematic. And we don't really think of food as being a hazard. Most of the times we eat it. And so therefore, we think of it as fairly innocuous. But uh, depending on what you're making and how the workers are interacting with the product, there could be things like dust. There could be things like chemicals that are in the air and they can affect workers adversely. So my job is really to go in there and to understand what people are doing, how they're doing and interacting with different different items, different hazards, different uh, components of what they do, and then evaluating whether they are exposed and then controlling those exposures. And I know we're gonna talk about climate change, but you had mentioned also the noise part of that. And you think manufacturing, and of course, you think something that is really noisy. So what are some of the things that can happen as a result of noise? How might a manufacturer know that they have a problem? And then what are some of the best ways that they would be able to take care of that in the workplace? Sure. Yeah, definitely noise is an issue in many workplaces. Of course, one of the first things, is it too loud to speak to each other comfortably, right? And when it really gets to the levels we're talking about that could be damaging, we're talking about where you have to shout to be heard within a meter of of being within each other's presence. So if that's the case, then oftentimes you can get a noise survey done where you can have someone come in, someone like us come in to 
check out how loud is that noise and is it above uh, a certain level that could be harmful uh, to humans if we're exposed to it long, for long periods of time. So we, we can come in there do a noise survey. We can even put these monitors on people themselves uh, where we put like a microphone on their lapel and it, it will record the sound levels through the day. So you can see if you're over and what you can do about it. Maybe certain areas that are louder than others, we can try to um, control those areas themselves. And then we can also uh, help implement any kind of hearing conservation program. Because of course, noise will, will be harmful eventually to your hearing. So that's what we're trying to protect. Yeah, exactly. So let's go in and, and talk about climate change and occupational health. So what is the impact on climate change in the occupational settings? And what are some of the things that manufacturers can do to prepare for these changes that are coming up? Sure. So we've been very busy with, with heat stress and wildfire smoke um, due to climate change issues. And these affect everyone, really. And <laughs> the manufacturer's um, network uh, would be affected as well. We've been seeing uh, not only the actual uh, heat stress and wildfire smoke harmful effects from the actually breathing it in or from um, experiencing the heat stress. We've also been seeing supply chain issues, too, which also cause a lot of distress um, with our, our clients and with um, many people trying to obtain supplies or to ship them out, right? Ship out product, et cetera. In our province here in British Columbia, we've been seeing highways closed down because of wildfire smoke. Uh, we've been seeing um, landslides and, and such as well from essentially runoff in heat and all our snowpack melting all at once. Also, there's bigger storms and things like that can happen. And so all of those things can impact supply chain, movement of goods through through our, our province and our country. And it's I think it's impacting everyone and businesses as well. Um, I have a small business. I understand if you are down for a week because you can't get a certain supply or you can't get your shipment out, uh, it can be really quite detrimental. So I think there's multiple areas where climate change can impact manufacturers in particular. And then at the worker level, of course, heat stress and wildfire smoke is something that we um, are exposed to all day. It's not something that the manufacturers themselves are creating necessarily, right? It's something that's coming from external. So then we, as um, industrial hygiene professionals, we have to think about how do we protect these individuals, not only in the workplace, but also uh, at home and doing the other things they, they like to do. So you've mentioned heat stress a couple times. Can you clarify exactly what that is, how it happens, how it affects somebody? Sure. So humans, we like to be in a certain temperature range. We really only like to be about uh, plus or minus a half a degree or so. And then our bodies stop working if we get too hot, right? So we've been experiencing here, and I'm sure uh, where you are too, hotter and hotter summers. And definitely we're in the north and even in the north, we're experiencing these heat domes and heat waves that have been coming through every single year. And those um, not only distress our bodies, we, be, we, we can actually get things like uh, heat stroke and heat exhaustion, and it can be a medical emergency. You've, you've probably heard of lots of people who are vulnerable, elderly, people who with preconditions dying really uh, during these heat waves. And it is a huge issue, not only for the public, but also in the workplace, because we have to deal with it there as well. Um, in manufacturers, uh, manufacturing facilities, I think 
Uh, if they're air conditioned, that's great. If they're not, um, then we do have to think about ways that we can reduce that heat stress. And same with noise, you can actually measure for heat stress uh, risk and you can go out there. And um, we actually built an app uh, this summer uh, for the film industry, actually, but other people are using it. And it's based on this Humidex rating, which is just your relative humidity and your temperature. And you can actually measure that and then compare it and put it into the app. And it'll actually come out with a risk rating. So are you at high risk for a heat stress event or not, right? Something like that is quite simple. There's other ways of doing that, but you can always go out there and evaluate if there's a heat stress issue and then try to deal with, uh, with those issues in the workplace. Do you have any examples of companies that you've worked with as far as before and after, uh, what was going on before, what you helped them discover, and the results of what happened? Sure. I can give you an example, actually, in the same line of um, what we were just discussing with, with wildfire and heat stress. So with the, this heat stress app, people have been util- utilizing it to identify, oh, I'm I'm at risk right now for heat stress. Uh, these are the sort of the controls they tell me to to tell my employer about. So it's things like work rest cycles and getting enough water, getting shade, getting into a cool environment. So based on the these this initial app, people have been developing what's called an exposure control plan. And so they've actually, and we've helped them as, as well do this if they need it, just outlining what are you going to be doing at these certain levels? When it hits this sort of red mark, are you going to be starting work rest cycles every 15 minutes, every hour, what are you going to be doing to be to get that that risk uh, down? So we've been helping people with that. We've been helping people with the wildfire uh, smoke. So for instance, they need to know whether they should stop doing some outdoor activities at a, at a certain point in time. So we've been helping the film industry with that. This year was fairly quiet because of the strikes that have been happening in the States. But essentially, we helped develop these exposure control plans for them and said, oh, when the levels get such and such in the air, we're no longer going to be filming outdoors. We're going to be uh, resting that day or we're going to be taking it indoors. And then even in an indoor setting, we've helped them with better filtration, for instance. So some of these film sets, just like some some of the manufacturing facilities likely, are in these large warehouse type environments where they don't really have good mechanical ventilation. So we've actually helped them be able to filter their air better, given them examples of what types of filters they should put on their systems, and then in fact, help them reduce their exposures indoors. So we've been doing a number of those sorts of things and been cleaning the air that the people are breathing. Yeah, it's interesting when I think about film sets and I think about the uh, day-to-day manufacturing and and budget and getting things out the door and the fact of, oh, do you want my workers to take a break or you want to shut down filming for a day on set? Are you crazy? Exactly. So what can you share that if if you don't do this can happen or this has happened has happened like the yeah so what has happened that you've seen that where if you're looking at the dollars and cents of it how are you getting them in a dollars and cents to understand that this really matters there have been several examples unfortunately here in bc of people suffering from heat stress and then actually ending up in the hospital so Mm. it becoming so 
dire that it was a medical emergency. And so a number of people had to go to hospital on uh, particular film sets, actually. And Mm. so out of that, the production had to shut down. And they had to shut down for several days until our regulator came in and did an investigation and had to ensure that the employer put in certain policies and procedures and controls so that they that wouldn't happen again. So you can imagine <laughs> that alone, if you're shut down for a week, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. it is, if you're a manufacturer, if you're a film set, that cost alone trumps any kind of cost that uh, is involved with the preparation, preparing yeah. ahead of time. And I always tell people to prepare ahead of time. And we know that, we, we all know that we should prepare for um, emergencies and we should be ready for things to to happen and to have contingencies. But a lot of people don't really think about this because like I said too, it isn't something that is being produced by the employer. It is something right. external. So even for those, some of those things that people are <laughs> producing within their uh, company, some people aren't really thinking about controlling, right? So you can imagine it's even harder to think about things that are external to us and they have no control over the wildfire itself or the the heat that's coming in themselves. But we can still apply um, in industrial hygiene. We have this hierarchy of controls. And I think people have heard about it during the COVID pandemic, et cetera, where we try to reduce um, the risk with this hierarchy. And you start with hopefully elimination, right? Elimination of the hazard itself. But employers have no control over that, unfortunately. That's at a global level, right? Something different. Right. <laughs> but right. you can start to do other things, which are like engineering controls, which means maybe you put people in an enclosed environment that's air conditioned, that's filtered. That's an engineering control. Maybe you can do things like these administrative controls, which are really the procedures and what are you going to do at certain levels? When we hit a certain humidex level, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when the wildfire smoke hits a certain level? Those are administrative controls and those can help with reducing people's exposure. And then we all have heard of personal protective equipment, which is the last line of defense. We don't want to rely on that too much, especially because with something like heat, personal protective equipment, it might not work, right? We right. hear about certain things like cooling vests, et cetera. But that is really your last line of defense with trying to control an exposure. So with manufacturers, I think they can start to think about it and plan ahead and go, We're, this isn't going away, unfortunately, anytime no. soon. <laughs> right? No, I, yeah. <laughs> I think in the States about how divisive of a topic climate change has been, I think we're finally getting to the point where we realize that it is real and it is a thing, but sometimes it takes that shutting down of a movie set for a week, or it takes the lawsuits that I imagine come from those people that were forced to work in unsafe conditions and then spend time in the hospital or worse yet, don't recover from what they were exposed to. So just these little things. The other thing that it occurs to me too, is that it's such a big, it's such a big issue. It's almost hard to get your thoughts around it. In those conversations, how do you let people know that they can make a difference even with something that's such a big worldwide problem? From an exposure perspective, we are all working, right? We're workers and we can refuse unsafe work. So that's one of the first things that people should know about 
And if you feel that you're unsafe, whether it's from a heat stress event or whether it's from breathing in something that you you know you shouldn't be or you're suspecting that you shouldn't be breathing in or you can refuse that unsafe work, right? So that's the first thing. And so having that impact, I've seen that before where an employee will will refuse unsafe work and then it grows from there actually. Other mm. people are like, you know what? I also don't feel safe. I'm going to walk out on this job. And so then there is this power in that refusal I'm not saying everyone should refuse to work. <laughs> we should definitely bring it up the chain a little bit first and go, hey, you know what? I, I, I think I'm <laughs> experiencing this and then have that conversation. But there is always that one person that can start that conversation and then move it up the chain. And, and I've seen that. And people, there have been real changes um, because of one person's voice. And so I know that we feel sometimes that what difference am I going to make? One person, I might lose my job, et cetera. Those sorts of things. People get concerned that they for their own livelihood. And I, I totally understand that. It happens in any kind of industry, in manufacturing, in, in the film industry, in construction, etc. Everyone's really concerned about voicing their, their concerns about their work. But that's that first step, right? Employers, we have to understand that this impacts our business. Essentially, we should be concerned with our employees, right? Of course, and their right. health. But it definitely also has impacts on our business. Just by ensuring that your employees are healthy and they're happy and they're able to do their work properly. Considering all of this that we've talked about, and we've covered a lot today, what advice would you give to business owners or executives in the manufacturing sector to really enhance their workplaces, health and safety standards? Well, I think manufacturers should be familiar with their jurisdiction's standards, first of all, understand you know, what kind of regulatory network they have or regulatory requirements they have in their jurisdiction, because that's really important. And because if they were to be inspected by their regulator, they may be prone to fines and to shutdowns if things are extreme enough, right? So being very familiar with what's in the regulation is really important. And then just understanding that there are resources out there so things for climate change, for instance, um, we have some good resources in our province, I'm sure other jurisdictions have as well, on what to do, what to do about wildfire smoke, what to do in heat stress. Heat stress is regulated in most um, jurisdictions for mm. workers, so they should look at that and see what's required for them. Wildfire smoke, less because it's a newer topic and the regulators are a little behind in trying to regulate it. And like I said, it's an external sort of, it's an external source of, of exposure. Right. For those, the, the public health networks are better for that. So here in British Columbia, we have this uh, center called the BC Center for Disease Control, and they have a lot of information. And, and other people can look at that information too, because it's applicable to really anyone. And it talks about uh, types of heat stress and wildfire smoke and what to look for and tells you about vulnerable people and what vulnerable people should should be doing, what the general public should be doing as well. I think those sorts of resources, being able to, to understand what's available to people and then having a plan, coming up with plans <laughs> around right, how right. to reduce exposures. That's the most important thing is being proactive, I think. So looking ahead, what trends do you protect, predict will shape the field of industrial hygiene and occupational health in the next couple of years? I think digital technology will really shape what we do. 
as industrial hygienists, we've been using these old instruments, <laughs> these old methods to evaluate exposure in the workplace. And I see right now there's a there's a burgeoning um, field of new technology that's coming into our area. And things like this with the app, building apps that people can use that are easy to use. It used to be you'd have to bring out a complicated device and you'd have to put water in it and, <laughs> and you'd have to read the instruction manual to be able to do to work around this. But now we can have an app, you can have just temperature and relative humidity, which is easy to find, and you just put it in and then it'll give you an answer. So things that are easy that uh, more people can utilize, I think that's the way we're going. And if more people are able to recognize uh, their own um, risks, their own occupational health risks, the more people uh, we can help because we'll be able to control those exposures in many more areas. If you're just relying on industrial hygienists to go out to these places to evaluate exposures, it's going to take a lot longer. There are not very many of us, right. <laughs> but if we put it into more people's hands, if we can put it into workers' hands, if we can put it into the stewards' hands on the floor or the shop, uh, the shop steward, for instance, if we can do that and have more people able to evaluate exposure at the workplace, we'll be better able to control it. Awesome. All right. As we get to as we get to the end of our time together, um, if somebody did want to learn more about Aura or to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? I think checking out our website would be great, and our information's on there. So www.aura.aura.healthsafety.com. Okay. Mona, it has been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Lisa. Have a good day. Thanks. You too. Bye. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturers Network Podcast. Do me a favor and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow this network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either send your buddies to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the Manufacturers Network podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow the network, the stronger and deeper the community will all have. Thanks again, and I appreciate you.